He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together? Hello. This is an edit to the podcast. It's come to my attention that later in today's episode, I start talking about the talk show hosts and refer to one of them as goofy and I don't get it and it's not for me and it's silly goofball shit. And I repeatedly say that's Jimmy Kimmel. What I meant to say was Jimmy Fallon. That's who I was describing there. It was not Jimmy Kimmel. So just FYI and have a great day. And now here's the podcast. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Friday, January 5th, 2024. Yeah, that's right. 1524. January 5th, 2024. I hope your week is at an end. I hope when you hear this, you are about to engage in activities that make you feel most like yourself. I believe that is the key to happiness if you have the goddamn fortune, the good fortune to be able to pursue things that you enjoy and you're not working in a goddamn coal mine 24-7 or you're not driving for Amazon where the worker I asked you today, hey man, do they take care of you? And he's like, no, it sucks. If you have a little more room in your schedule to pursue things or, you know, maybe carve out a little more time to pursue things, when you do them, you're like, this is me. This is what I should be doing most of the time. I don't know, but I think if you do enough of that over time, you will bring yourself fulfillment, and then you also will probably uh, find your way into a vocation that is a job where you make a little bit of money doing something closer to really what's you. We have to make money. It's the goddamn system. You know that. It's the capitalist system. I don't think there's a way around it in the United States of America. So we have to figure out how to... Uh, buy in without selling out or I sold out but I haven't bought in in any case I hope your week is at an end and uh, I want to start by thanking everybody who's been interacting with the videos that I've been putting up over the last couple weeks on Instagram generating followers generating engagement the last two I posted one was about uh, our old friend Aaron Rodgers slandering Jimmy Kimmel, suggesting that Jimmy Kimmel was somehow associated with that uh, pedophile, who really was a friend of Donald Trump's, if we're being honest. But, uh, you know, Kimmel insinuated that uh, Aaron Rodgers, because, yes, so here's how it works. (laughs) ESPN pays this guy, Pat McAfee, I was going to say McNamara. I, I've never seen a show. He doesn't have sleeves on his shirt, and it's incredibly popular. ESPN, which is owned by Disney, pays this guy, Pat McAfee, millions of dollars to just be one of their three or four signature personalities. This guy, Pat McAfee, who is given this or is whatever, it sold his program to ESPN, which is owned by Disney, which has <laughs> infiltrated my house. <laughs> Not really. Actually, Disney, well, what am I talking about? Frozen is everywhere. Um, but, but it's cooled off a little bit. <clears throat> Disney owns ESPN, which provides Pat, the Pat McAfee show um, a platform. And one of the things the Pat McAfee show does is pays Aaron Rodgers 
like a million dollars or something annually to come on their show every Tuesday and, you know, attract, I suppose, people who uh, like Aaron Rodgers, which is really hard for me to, that's how out of touch, I'm an, I'm an out of touch coastal elite that it's kind of hard for me to understand um, how someone would want to listen to what the fuck Aaron Rodgers has to say. I'm not saying it's not, you know, sublime for you guys to watch him throw a football. <laughs> I'm talking about listening to what the goddamn guy says. He did his own research, okay? Anyway, Rodgers, I believe, is a bit of an anti-vaxxer. I believe is, uh, you know, un, uh, yeah, I don't know shit about Aaron Rodgers, except he should, you know what he should do is he should stick to football. <laughs> Shut up and dribble. In any case, he, uh, you know, you can talk shit in the basement and you can talk shit in the locker room, but I guess he uh, he insinuated that Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel is, is uh, affiliated with, you know, this world-famous sex offender. And in the world in which we live now, where if something does not align or, uh, uh, yeah, align, connect with what you believe, you just dismiss it as false and you just, um, you can just reject it. You can just, the, 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 if, if I'm like a, a dude who likes an orange sky and I see that the sky is blue, I can just say that's bullshit. The sky is not blue. This is some conspiracy. That's the world in which we live right now, right? So Aaron Rodgers doesn't like Jimmy Kimmel because Jimmy Kimmel makes fun of Aaron Rodgers, I guess. But he insinuates that Jimmy Kimmel is affiliated with, uh, you know, this famous sex offender. But he does it on fucking ESPN. And in this world in which we live, you can just believe that. Whether it's true or not, you can just believe the allegation. You can just say it, you know? You can just blurt it out into court on ESPN where then people who uh, choose to believe whatever they fucking want to believe that it's only Democrats who are pedophiles. That just doesn't make any sense. Children appeal to everyone. But to just selectively choose Democrats or pedophiles then and, and use that as your your uh, your reason that your 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 organizing principle. We have to save these children from the menace of democratic pedophiles. Just is a is a is a race to um, vigilanteism, which you know. I don't think it's in accordance with your fucking law and order. It's really weird, right? The party of law and order advocates for vigilantism, advocates for let's take up arms and let's go uh, kill all the pedophiles. Let's go dig up a pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. because we think that it's some pedophile institution. And I don't want to talk about this. But at the risk of belaboring the point, the whole, and I'm not the author, I'm probably not the author of this, the whole uh, obsession with pedophilia on one side of this country, really, to someone who just, I don't want to say I'm a neutral, because I'm anti-pedophile, <laughs> pro-child, um, but I don't yell about pedophilia all the time. 
so I don't want to, I'm not a neutral, but to the outsider in this, you know, screaming match that you guys are having, the pedophile vigilantes really have like a, uh, whoever smelt it, dealt it vibe. Like, why do you see pedophilia everywhere? Well, I guess because you grew up in the church and you saw it. That, yeah, but the church is not the liberals. The Catholic church is your side. I'm on your side. I'm meaning I want, I, I want what you want. I want people to be, I don't want kids to be abused. And I want people to be nice to each other. But this is fucking nonsense. And I know I'm talking to the commentariat again. And you guys are just, pull back. Okay, pull back from the abyss. Pull back from the edge. You see pedophilia everywhere. Why is that the case? And here's a better question than I'm asking. What is the question? The better question is this. Do you really see it everywhere or do you just hate Democrats so much that you have found the the Wonka ticket of horrific allegations to level at people to entwine with their identity and being so that it becomes repeated enough over time that if someone says a Democrat, everyone's like, oh, maybe... The burden of proof is on them to prove that they're not a pedophile. Is that what you're trying to do? Do you hate? Jesus Christ, dude. Get a fucking job. Go shoot some baskets. Get out of the house. You know what I mean? Get off the phone. Get off the computer. That's what they've done to us. You hate whatever you've been led to hate. Liberals. Right? By the way, liberals don't run the world. I'm just, your squad runs the world. That's where the real money is, okay? But you've been so, let's just start there. You've been so led to hate this group of people that represents what to you? Well, that's a different story that that I'm not going to plumb right now. That... Whether they are, that you've taken the worst thing you can say about something, right? about someone, and you've made it a defining attribute of that group of people you hate, that is to all of us accelerating the path to dehumanizing, to turning the people next to you into not people. And therefore, they're demonic and evil and Subject to your vigilantism. It should be a reality check. And I don't know how many of you all are of the, you know, QAnon or whatever fuck I'm, whatever the hell I'm talking about. But just step away from the abyss a little bit. And so someone like Aaron Rodgers, someone... Who, who seems adjacent to that camp. And I don't know Aaron Rodgers. I just, I don't listen to him. But, but every time he's in the headlines, long before this, he just seems like a fucking douchebag. That's, that's what he seems like to me. Seems like a smug prick. That's what he seems like to me. He could be a guy, a family guy. 
a real family guy. You know, you go with your kids. Okay, okay. You go, you, you get to take the cannoli. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. You know what I mean? But he seems like a dipshit who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, but has a platform provided to him by this guy, Pat McAfee, who is just trying to get money. McAfee. Also, I don't know anything about McAfee. But I think the people who go out, I sense, I don't, I shouldn't, I should get back in my lane here because I've never listened to Pat McAfee, but I get the sense. I'm always looking at what, what, what are these people saying anything about anything? And when people, and you've heard me say this about big stand-up comics, when it feels like they're going out of their way, and I'm talking about us white men, going out of their way to not have a fucking perspective or position on the real world, it seems awfully irresponsible. Yes, just make people laugh, do your goddamn thing, but I don't know, man, you're in a position to influence things. And if you don't, you almost, what it does is it makes equivalent, uh, it makes everything equivalent. Like, I'm not going to talk about that or this. Well, that's a big problem. Well, but so is this. No, that problem is not the same. I don't, there's something squirrely about, you know, we don't talk politics. If you don't stand for anything, as Rancid said in their song, how can I stand with you? I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, adjacent to that world, says something about Jimmy Kimmel's going to be affiliated with this guy, this world-famous sex offender, and he says it on ESPN. That's wild to me. And Kimmel, who works for ABC, which is also owned by Disney, is probably like, dude, what the fuck? You're going to have a bunch of crazy people with firearms at my door because they've been led to believe by this. It's all on the phone. That's what it is. It's all it's all on your phone. It doesn't happen when you walk down the street. If you walk down the street with your hands in your pocket or your hands at your side, it's just people. And they nod, they say what's up, and they're in their problems. But it's not all this other stuff that's on the phone. Turn the fucking phone off is, re is really the antidote. Keep interacting with my videos. I, so anyway, Kimmel's like, dude, what are you doing with this reckless language? I want you to interact with the videos so I can headline comedy clubs, and then we can talk shit late at night and have a laugh at it. Because... The social media also means there's no room for nuance. This is, there's no, there's no reasoned conversation like there is when I'm talking in a club at midnight. When we're talking shit. People online can't handle talking shit. <clears throat> I will say this, credit to the commentariat. I make this video about Aaron Rodgers. But it's not, it's not about Rodgers. It's about Kimmel threatening to sue Aaron Rodgers. And <clears throat> I don't make it about pedophilia. I don't make it about the sex offender. All I do is make it about the New York Jets. <laughs> I'm, I, I bring up the hot button and I, I just tap the sides of it. I don't press right on it because I'm, I'm not trying to be a provocateur where I just have a bunch of people screaming at me. It doesn't... It doesn't uh, inflame me it doesn't excite me in any case i made that post i also did one that uh, went 
And I did it like that's a current event. I, I did it. That's a current event. It got some traction. The one I put out two days before about the Harvard president being fired. You know what's fascinating about this? Not only did it get like 18,000 views, but the comments, and I kept running dialogue about this, the comments not once devolved because the joke I made about her was not... You want what the joke? Did you just go watch the reel and share it and tell everybody and send it to all the comedy clubs and say this guy should headline? Here was the joke. The joke was the Harvard president was fired uh, because she shared her because of what she said about uh, because of she was fired because of her comments about anti-Semitism. Her comments were perceived as anti-Semitic or whatever. And uh, for allegedly plagiarizing. And the punchline was, you know, that makes her the first person to ever be fired for speaking her mind and someone else's. Right? That was simple. I thought it was a tight little joke. And it went. Like I said, 17, 18,000 views. Lots of likes. And what was so impressive to me after I just spent the first 10 minutes of this podcast shitting on the commentariat and how it's... You're led around by this boogeyman that doesn't exist in the real world. Go outside. Turn the phone off. Like I said, go shoot some hoops. Stay away from Israel and Hamas. Stay away from what some demagogue is telling you. Did I use that word right? In any case, what was so impressive about the commentariat is for like the first 15,000, 16,000 views and numerous comments, no one once unnecessarily politicized my joke because there's nothing political in the joke. There's plenty of political issue in this woman at Harvard being fired and pushed out. But was but I that's not what the joke was about. Because I don't want to just like here, here's the like you're smart enough. I don't need to tell you what to think. A black woman who was in charge of Harvard was pushed out, and now there's a white man in charge. Okay? But what was so impressive is not until we got to comment like 17,005, <laughs> or sorry, view 17,005, did someone uh, comment. So, anyway, the point is this the internet is a sewer, social media is killing you, um, and, and, other than liking, sharing my and, and my comedy friends' videos uh, and reels, stay off of it. There's hope. I'm going to stop eating red meat because it's bad for the environment. We can stop looking at, uh, does that make me a pussy? Oh my God, like, what do you care? Again, go back to my last podcast where like, can you imagine the emptiness inside some person who just sees some asshole sitting in a basement posting something that he thinks is half funny, trying to get followers so he can pursue a dream and be a stand-up comic working on weekends, and you have to get off your couch and say, fuck you, dude, you loser piece of shit cuck. Like, you know, can you imagine that? You know, just go outside. Do a few push-ups along the way. So aside from supporting me, Stay off the thing. Anyway, the last two, those last two that I was mentioning, the last two reels they're called for the non-IG supporter, um, 
the one about the Harvard president being fired and Rogers and uh, Jimmy Kimmel also represent <clears throat> uh, stabs at current event jokes, obviously, and that I thought were decent. So I tagged the uh, late night shows that I'm aware of. John Oliver, um, Jimmy Kimmel, obviously, Seth Meyers, and uh, I didn't do Jimmy Kimmel because he's just he's too fucking goofy for me. Um, that's that's I don't know. I I've, it's, it's I, I saw Jimmy Kimmel. It's you know God bless, but it's just too fucking goofy for me. I don't know how else to say it. I don't mean that. Well, I just mean it exactly how it sounds. Like he's winning, he's eating, he's making a ton of money, but it like I've seen some of the skits that he does with celebrities. It's like, who is this for? And he and the money people like it's for the people you're talking about out there in QAnon. Anyway, I tagged him like you know I'm gonna keep putting him up. What if I? put up a current event joke every day for a year are you not going to throw me a bone you know well we'll see i gotta get something out of uh i gotta get something gotta get one off today i gotta here here's a task for you audience put together a material and see if it'll be better than the one that i come up with <laughs> some some time today it's simmering in me the fact that the uh the blade runner oscar pistorius um, who shot his girlfriend 13, that dimer he shot, third, that smoke show, that who gives a shit what she looks like, that person, woman, he shot her 13 times. That's a lot of self-defense. And uh, for thinking someone's an intruder. He shot her 13 times. He just got out. I'm not kind of dwelling I'm not I don't want to dwell on South Africa's challenges with uh, domestic violence or gender-based violence but he got out and it's like right in time for the January 6th reunion tour so I will it's it's percolating that January 6th is tomorrow and Oscar Pistorius the Blade Runner uh, is out of prison and See if you can come up, <laughs> not for me, I'm not asking you to write jokes for me, but hopefully by the end of the day, I will have some sort of joke involving those two things co-occurring, and we'll post it. Why not? Why not? I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm going to, if I make jokes, I'm going to tag John Oliver. Well, speaking of capitalism... Speaking of the American experience, speaking of uh, right-wing conspiracies, I made my debut this week at Costco. <laughs> I don't know about right-wing conspiracies or anything like that. Have you ever been to Costco? Costco is the opposite of everything that I've ever said on this podcast. And I get it. It is freedom. It is validation it is emotional support. It is a sense of belonging, purpose, identity through consumerism. I'd never been. My wife, for a hundred years, has spared me most of the consumer experiences around the holidays, around <laughs> going to the grocery store. I go to the grocery store, but I, I'm... 
you know what it is? I'm a hypocrite. I try to pretend like I don't do it, but really I, my wife just does it. Right? I, I don't have an Amazon account, but my wife does. I, have, I, don't, I can say, I, that, that it's, so it's hypocritical, okay? Red meat people out there. It's hypocritical. Of, I know it's hypocritical. Uh, just like Aaron Rodgers, you know, attacking Jimmy Kimmel for hanging out with uh, a bunch of losers no one respects. That's hypocritical because Rodgers plays for the Jets. That was a joke. It's hypocritical of me, but it allows me to say I don't need I don't even have an Amazon account. And the hypocrisy is, well, does your wife and does that benefit your household and do you enjoy the trappings of that account? And yes, of course I do. But my wife knows I'm not a I'm I don't I like to pretend that I am not a consumer, probably is what it is. I don't have a lot of uh, material appetites. Just telling you. I don't lust after an expensive car or a, uh, you know, bigger, better piano. Like, it's just not my, or rings and watches. I like a nice watch. I have a couple nice watches, but anyway. Costco shot a hole, an elephant-sized, an elephant-gun-sized hole right through my chest when it came to consumerism. Because when I was in there, I was like, I am whole. If I buy 17,000 Band-Aids or just 60 bananas or a box of 800 ramen soups, I'm, everything's fine. It was bizarre. It was like I walked in there and immediately I was like, I get it. I get consumerism. I get, oh, I'm not feeling good. I need to go shopping. I that not dopamine shot you get. I'm not bullshitting you. I was like, if I just fill up this cart, I won't have any problems in the world. Places amazing. Do we need a seventy-five gallon bottle of cranberry juice? No, but would it solve some problems for us if we had it? Maybe. You know what I mean? It's the scale of it is overwhelming. And also what I do respect about it is not the most capitalist consumer person in the world is it's a business. Here's what I like about business. I like a business that's trying to make money. And that is a business that looks like it's trying to make money. My neighborhood grocery store, bless its heart, it looks like it's just holding on to the side of the cliff. Like the lights half work. It takes you 20 minutes to check out because there's no one in line because there's no one working because it's all self-checkout. Half the machines are broken, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? It looks pretty shoddy. Costco is like, we will help you separate yourself from your money as fast as possible. Come this way. There's an old person sleeping on this checkout style. Let me go shoot them in the head and put them out back, and I will ring you up right away. It was and they're friendly. The people who work there are friendly. Someone told me that they're friendly because they take care of the workers. And take care means, you know, they probably only mark things up 99.3% as opposed to like 100%. And they found a little margin to take care of the workers. That's the liberal myth I've been led to believe about Costco. It was really 
a really unique experience, a one that I don't recall. Why did I go there? Because my wife had a cold. She was kind of laid up. So I went to Costco. I got Band-Aids, way more Band-Aids than I can't tell you the last time my daughter loved Band-Aids because they're things to open and stick on stuff. Got a bunch of Band-Aids. Got some wine. Got like five, six bottles of red wine. We got a bottle. I got a bottle of tequila for a neighbor who helps us with our dog when it runs away. Well, you still haven't. That's a problem that's followed you from Atlanta to San Diego? Yeah. Why? Because we're fucking idiots and irresponsible. That's why. I think I got. I didn't get muffins. My wife got muffins. And again, as my wife has shown my daughter how to take the tops of them off. It's unbelievable. I'm trying to think what else I got there. Oh, I got fruit. But the fruit is like, an, uh, I'm just looking around. It's like a whole desk's worth, uh, worth of blueberries or strawberries. I didn't even look at the prices. Because everybody obviously is in there because it's cheaper to buy a bulk by its scale. Anyway, it's not really going anywhere, but I want to let you know, shoppers, now I get it. Costco made me see, more than made me see, it made me feel. It made me honestly feel like, okay, if I just make the right decisions here, everything's good. There's no other worry in the world. And you know what? I didn't notice, aside from people talking, nobody was looking at their phones. All right, I'm really stretching this. People are happy in Costco because they're not on their phones. People are not on their phones in Costco because they're spending more money than they actually have with credit cards and they won't be able to pay that exorbitant rate. I know, I know. Uh, the other shopping experience I had uh, was, wow, it's already 30 minutes. I shouldn't be so self-aware or make you so self-aware of how long you've been listening to this. But <clears throat> shopping experience related to uh, guess who turned five this week? My daughter. Can you believe I have a five-year-old? This podcast started when she was a year and eight months. She is five years old now. And I went to Party City to get her a Peppa Pig balloon, $13. I walked in to Party City at an odd time, like 11 a.m. or something like that. Odd time for most of us who work. I walked in there, and that's why Party City was fucking empty. You know who could be in there, though? Two cops. There were two cops who, as soon as I walked in the door, they were up by the front. They immediately looked at me, as cops do, but they held my, they held their gaze at me. They were, they were probably sizing up my body. I told you about the way I'm my physique. <laughs> but they, they were the looks were so cop-like, so direct, and you know, uh, suspect, suspect, suspicious, something like that. That I said, "What's up?" Like it was that, you know, like. I imagine being a woman and having a man undress you with his eyes. You'd be like, hey, fucker, what's, what are you looking at? 
but really it was more about it, it was about that look but also there are only three of us in the store and I said what's up and then they kind of went back to their business talking to the woman at the front when when I say woman I mean like she was a nine-year-old employee and I was like is this are they investigating child labor laws what's going on I knew they were cops probably from the moment I first saw them looking at me, but as I got closer, I saw their, you know, who knows what law enforcement agency they worked for, because God knows who doesn't, what isn't a law enforcement agency. And I said, oh, that, and then I said to him, I'm like, oh, that's why you were looking at me so suspiciously. <laughs> You're cops. And the guy said, no, actually, you just look familiar. And then the other cop disappeared down the aisle. He goes, you look familiar. By the way, how uh, is this insulting or not? I was in a different place, like a fast, casual restaurant the other day, I think you call it. And I walked in and they're like, uh, are you picking up delivery? Like, do you drive for DoorDash? What, is, what does that mean? But he said, no, you look familiar. I said, oh, yeah, people have told me that before. I have a, gen I have a generic appearance. And he goes, no, I actually thought you, you might be one of my, you might be a former partner. <laughs> and I said, well, I've also been told that I look like a cop too. And he's like, well, that's good. I said, not usually. I said, or I said, I didn't say it like an asshole. I said, not with every audience. <laughs> it's not always good to, to have people think you look like a cop. But you know what? The Irish American cop is the prototype from, you know. New York, Boston, Chicago, all of that. I said, well, it's not always good to be, but respect. And I was like, are you guys trying to break up this party too? These cops were so funny because <clears throat> what they were trying to do, like all of us try to do, is trying to understand the discrepancy between why is this price here, but it's the same thing right here, and it's a different price. And the nine-year-old behind the counter is ill-equipped. The cops, it's also, they, these guys were nice, but it reminded me that there is no intelligence testing to become a cop. As a matter of fact, I think years ago, there was a, uh, a lawsuit about a guy who uh, felt that he, who said he was discriminated against because he scored too high on some test. You know what I mean? They're not, you don't want a cop that's too smart, is what the cops were saying. <laughs> And uh, it's just good to remind yourself of that every once in a while. They were trying to figure out the difference between why is the guy was like, why is this balloon set down here in the aisle 26 bucks and over here it's 32? And the kid behind the counter was just like, uh. and like a comic bombing just riffed out behind the counter. Well, because it's more expensive if we blow the balloons up for you. <laughs> and the, the cops were like, so you charge me for the, the air? And the employee was like, yes, that's what I said. It clearly just like I told one bullshit story and uh, I got to back myself on it. <laughs> now what? And the cops were like, that doesn't really make sense. But they're kind of blockheaded dudes you know, looking back and forth. And they keep kind of litigating the same issue. Like, so this one, can we get that one that 
has air but doesn't have air and, and it's just like they couldn't figure it out and the person behind the counter certainly couldn't figure it out and so I said to the cop wow this is a sounds like a real who done it <laughs> and they looked at me like they didn't get the joke and then beat beat oh yeah like <laughs> the balloon found at the scene and I'm like yes exactly and then they're like the, woman, the person behind the counter had to call a manager Manager comes, talks with the cops. Child behind the counter then says, I can ring you up, sir. What do you want? I said, can I get that Peppa Pig balloon, which says $13 on the wall? I wasn't going to ask, is it $6 for air? I just said, yes, that one, please. And she goes, okay. And she takes it down or she takes it out of a drawer, goes and blows it up. And it's $13 plus tax. So she was full of shit <laughs> and knew it and then didn't even charge me for air, which was great. And the girl is five years old. And the girl got her Peppa Pig balloon, put it in her room while she's sleeping. So she wakes up and there's this Macy's Day Parade Peppa Pig thing floating above. And she's like, ha, ah, that's cool. And it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I don't know. She came in very, very excited. And uh, we're going to celebrate her all weekend. I hope you have a great week. And uh, if you come up with a better Oscar Pistorius sort of joke involving January 6th, uh, let me know. Otherwise, I will talk to you on Tuesday. Thank you for the support.